0: Welcome to the conference room with this week's guest, Jeff Fleischer.
1: I think that's the best part of being a leader is allowing them to, to do that and, and not getting in their way. Um, hiring the right people to, to solve for those challenges and making sure that you're paving those paths and you, ha- you are kind of uh, acting as the glue
0: Welcome to The Conference Room, a weekly podcast where business leaders and growth experts kindly share their experiences, actionable tips, and secrets to successfully grow a business. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It'll really help us out. And I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to The Conference Room. Good afternoon, and welcome to the conference room. I am joined by Jeff Fleischer. Jeff is the global head of sales of cybersecurity vendor, Team Cymru. His sales and leadership career goes back to the mid 90s with senior positions with companies such as McAfee, Datamax, Wave Systems, Fishme, who you may now know as Cofense, Reversing Labs, and now Team Cymru. He serves as an advisor to startup vendors and when he's not leading a sales team you can find him volunteering for the Sunshine Kids Foundation and I'm delighted that he's found time in his incredibly busy schedule to come and talk to us here so good afternoon Jeff and
1: welcome to the conference room hey Simon if I wasn't awake now I am uh that was a great <laughs> intro <laughs> I'm pumped let's go <laughs> great stuff fantastic Thank you. so
0: All heroes have an origin story, and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did you find your way into cybersecurity sales, get through that ladder, and now be leading the global team over at uh, Team Cymru?
1: Uh, Yeah, great question. I was um, actually working at a a ski factory called Ski Market, which was a seasonal job. And the Gateway uh, Computer Company started opening stores in the area and they were recruiting folks that had seasonal jobs. So um, out of curiosity, I took the call and, and wound up jumping into the, into the hardware aspect of computers. And I'm just curious. So I started to ask questions when people would buy 52 machines, like, what is that? Why, why would they need that many computers? Jeff, that's a network. What's a network, right? So you start learning about um, how, how this works, how the, the internet was coming online, um, you know, it's just so pure curiosity led me to understanding um, how computers work, uh, but more importantly, not getting into the weeds on the engineering side so much, because I did have a bit of a background there with programming and, you know, b- starting off of building websites and learning about networking and going after my MCSE degree. I realized very quickly that's not for me. Um, it's, it's it, I, I have tremendous respect for those people. Um, that that get behind the wheel and and bang out code for 16 hours and whatnot. So I I tend to want to understand what's important to those folks, empathize with them and understand enough of what they do to where I can make sense uh, and and help add value. Uh, But I am absolutely more of a people person. And and, uh, I love uh, coaching and mentoring folks. And um, I love driving business towards growth, uh, ethically, of course, and um, just feel like, you know, over the years, uh, pulling on these threads, it's led me here um, in, in, into the software space, uh, and then and later into cybersecurity in particular. So pretty much just out of luck, sheer luck.
0: Wow. Okay, great stuff. Well, they say that you do make your own luck. So what do you say, what are the, the key things that have contributed towards the growth that you've taken, and particularly traversing from sales into sales leadership?
1: Yeah, um, specifically with sales, I think good salespeople are sort of the CEO of their territory. So, you know, when I would join a company, the first thing I'm doing is I'm, I'm getting introduced to the folks that have been here, done that, um, try to understand what specifically makes that company better uh, or different. And um, and then who who's behind the scenes? Who are the... Sales engineers, the pro, you know, the people that are uh, building and, and working on these products. Um, who are the partners that we have? Uh, you know, what does that ecosystem look like? So, once you immerse yourself into that, I think you you know who to talk to, you know who to who to ask, uh, you know questions on on when you you know when you find an issue. Um, you you have to kind of know the lay of the land because it takes a village. Um, so, after kind of building out my own sales playbook that way. I was asked to become a director, which is basically a player coach, where you still have a quota, but you're bringing on others in your region, um, and you're you know they're your direct reports. So that that was my segue into sales leadership. by being a player coach, and then realizing, wow, I think I can, I think I can actually be a full time coach. Um, I always thought of myself as kind of a, a player more than a coach or an individual contributor, but years ago, I I I, I was uh in that role and it and it and it was uh, probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me to, to kind of make me see beyond my patch make me see the you know the, the global aspect of the of the company um work work more tightly with folks in finance uh the, the lawyers etc to really understand risk compliance and you know how to build uh a, a more cohesive strategy beyond this quarter um so it's, it's, it's been a journey, but yeah, it, it all started as a, as a director of sales, um, being kind of that player coach role and uh, enjoying, enjoying watching people grow and, and, and succeed.
0: So something that that, that I've, when we were sort of talking uh, earlier and, and also your bio, it's very interesting. I, I found it quite interesting that certainly in the, I won't call this the last of your career, but the more recent years in your career, you've gravitated more towards smaller companies, okay? And I I would suggest that a lot of the challenges when it comes to growing a small company and leading the sales of a small company, is gonna be quite different to like your early years at say like a McAfee, for example, okay? So when you're trying to establish a market, when you're trying to bring a new product to market, when you're trying to, when you're knocking on doors, and the people on the other side of the door haven't necessarily heard of you. How do you go about, and how do you lead a team to be able to, for to intents and purposes, establish a market where you don't have that reputation, you don't have those existing customers?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's a lot like asking somebody to eat an elephant. Where do you start? You start with the tail. Um, <laughs> with so so, I would say, I would say. Um, I, I, I am attracted to smaller orgs because they tend to be very much bleeding edge and solving specific problems. Hence, they exist for a reason that maybe the bigger companies haven't acquired yet, or um, maybe they do have uh, a competing solution, but it's a part of many. So it, it isn't specializing in a deeper solution, it's more of a, a maybe a checkbox or compliance solution. So I, I, I do feel like the smaller organizations focus deeply and get really into the weeds and solving very specific problems. So, um, I think with Safeboot, uh, that, that was my first sort of startup and we were acquired by McAfee. So I got in that journey, I got both worlds where we were a leading edge encryption service. And, and, um, we also dabbled in DLP and wound up knocking down big logos, um, and were later acquired by McAfee. Um, so to answer your question, I, I think, I think that, um, Build, being able to be uh, kind of a bigger fish in a smaller pond is attractive to me uh having ideas and actually see them get executed having people try different playbooks and and seeing which ones work and driving the entire organization to, to follow suit like that that to me is is what gets me up in the morning versus being you know one of twenty thousand employees and maybe just having a tiny little microcosm that you know you're you're moving the needle in um to me that that can be attractive, but it's it's not really what has driven me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love I love those challenges, but I also think that the reward is better when you're dealing with smaller teams and you're and you're actually moving the needle and you're growing at forty percent and you're ha- you have healthy EBITDA and you're you know running at like a ten x valuation. That's exciting um, to be able to drive those things and um, you know and, and also. I think you you have better opportunities to work with other consultants. Um, the the PE firms that that are supporting you as well um, are are paying more attention to you. So you you do get those fringe benefits. I think you pretty much get an MBA or even a PhD in business just by being a part of those smaller orgs. Uh, whereas you have to have a PhD in business to be a part of the larger orgs, and and still you get a tiny bite of that business. You don't get the full you know leadership role. So. I'd rather learn on the fly and, and, and be surrounded by, you know, similar folks um, that are passionate and driven and want to take on more than just one job. Uh, Cause I, I think that's part of it. Uh, you, you know, I'm a sales leader, but I, I still jump in and sell. Um, I'm at events and I'm, you know, trying to find leads and, and I'll even cold call. I, I think that that is, that is probably the number one reason keeping your skills sharp and uh, you know, just being connected into uh the current trends and and things like that uh, tend to be more focused on small companies or those things happen to be more prevalent in smaller organizations as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And and also looking through your own career, um, you were director of sales of the Southeast at Fishmere or or that that was the position you left there. Um, And uh, sorry, you were director of sales of uh, the Southeast of Fishmere when they flipped over to becoming co-fans, you became VP Sales for Americas. Then SVP of global sales, at reversing labs, and now, to one purposes, head of global sales, chief revenue officer at, um, at, at Team Cymru. So as your roles expanded, how did you deal with the additional levels of responsibility from just a small region of a country to an entire country? And now, you know, globally, everything that goes on ultimately reports into you.
1: Yeah, the way you phrase it makes it sound more intimidating than it that I make it to be. <laughs> That's my joy. <laughs> <laughs> I will now. get I'm getting a little nervous. I will say. Um, I think the, the key is curiosity. I've always been a very curious person. Um, I look at it as you know, we, we're privileged to to have the internet in, in our in our lives, and you know, if you if you think about. Uh, industry, um, business and as a whole, and, and how many years um, are associated with many different verticals within this business. The internet has really, well, it's been around, I guess, technically since 1972 in the initial makeup. Um, it hasn't really been in our hands, on our phones, in our lives and dominating um, maybe say the past 15 years, probably even 10. So I think of that as just a tremendous opportunity for us as a human civilization to figure out the applications of the internet. Um, we immediately, like this, this conversation is happening right now in two different continents pretty seamlessly because of the internet. So um, to me, I, I think that having that background gives me insights and, and, and ideas and creativity that, that gives me the confidence to take on challenges and then reverse engineering them into compliance like GDPR is a big issue um, to, for vendors to adhere to. Um, government sales, for example, that's, if you didn't, if you weren't a government salesperson and now you're in charge of government sales folks, that's a, that's a, a, a big, a big leap. Um, you, you need to be well-adversed in acronym soup, uh, when it comes to that, um, channel, understanding the channel and how the channel can, can help, um, in and pockets of the world, their heart just drop an account executive into those things are, are, um, where my curiosity curiosity had taken me to to, to dive in and, and try to solve those problems, and um, also having great mentors and leaders. Um, you know, Jim Hansen was my COO at the time at Fishme, and uh, he had a very very much uh, experience. He had a ton of experience with companies like Mandiant and FireEye and and other. You know, he had a lo- legal background, um, but him as my leader, he he just made it seem easy. Like this is all you got to do, right? Uh, and, and I think that's it. You keep it simple, stupid. That, that is absolutely the, the number one phrase in sales. Um, and, and I'm a doer. So just getting in and doing it, learning from mistakes and, and getting better along the way, surrounding myself with good teammates. I think it takes away that um, sort of that uh, intimidation factor. Um, and then over the years, you just start to absorb uh, scenarios that are unique to you or maybe not unique to you that, that you need to solve for. And, and and you know have as part of the equation for the go to market strategy. So, I think that's what makes me so excited. Like every day presents a new opportunity, a new challenge, um, and and just looking around the table at the people that are also there signed up to to help dive in into those challenges. I think that's the best part of being a leader is allowing them to to do that and and not getting in their way. Um, hiring the right people to to solve for those challenges and making sure that. You're paving those paths, and you have you are kind of uh, acting as the glue of the organization, um, mul- managing multiple personalities, uh, cultures, things of that nature. It, it, to me, it's it's um, exciting. It's always just been an exciting challenge. Um, uh, and then finally, keeping the perspective that you're never going to solve everything. Are you on track? Are you are you close to hitting your goals? Um, prioritizing, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna boil the ocean and have, you know, uh, every single lead we want jumping at us. But how do we go after the right ones? How are we leveraging our network? How are we taking care of our clients so that they're telling their peers, um, how great this salesperson is, or this solution is. And, you know, I think that is, is what I'm, you know, I'm pretty good at. And, and I, kind of double down on, on, on just a, a great culture. Um, we, we do what we say, what we're going to do. Um, we back it up. And if we make mistakes, we own it, we, we improve on it. And we just continue to win over, um, you know, the clients. And, and that, that's kind of an infectious uh, way to, to build a business. Um, and, and that's kind of what, it, what I lean on all the, you know, hundred percent of the time, that's, that's what it is. It, it, it always carries you through, I think.
0: That's great. It, there's something that struck me when you were explaining that, which was that one theme that came up a couple of times, and also from the other from the reverse perspective was curiosity and the ability to learn. Either your innate intellectual curiosity or the fact that you um attached yourself to intents and purposes to mentors and learned from them. Okay. So I'm curious. And this this might be a little bit of a an unfair question, so forgive me, but I'm curious that having come through ostensibly a, a direct sales background, okay, and leading ostensibly a direct sales team, okay. The first day when you became, you know, global head of global sales at, for example, reversing labs or VV sales of the whole of America's at co-founds, and suddenly it's like this whole other discipline of channel and having to ha- having to run a team of people who are doing a job that you've never done before, okay. It's, it's 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 always something I'm very interested in as to, for example, when people, and maybe this is a question for you in a few years' time, when you step up from being, you know, a chief revenue officer to being a CEO, and suddenly now you're managing and leading people who have never done the job you've done before, okay? Where prior to, when you were VP Sales Americas or Director of Sales um, at FishMe, the people you were managing, you've done their job, okay? So, yeah. When you then step into managing people, when you haven't done their job, how do you do that?
1: Uh, again, yeah, I think curiosity is is the key. Um, I, when I, when I think when you're in a job, so when I was the VP of of the, I started off as the VP of the East before I became the VP of Americas, and I think of it as okay, what am I in control of? Even as a direct uh, an individual compa- uh, contributor for having, say, that even the state of Florida, right? What am I in control of? I'm in control of everything having to do with revenue and retention. Um, I'm in, I'm in control of the events that I'm attending. Um, so I'm working with marketing. I'm in control of feedback from QBRs we're having with clients to help prioritize the roadmap. So I think you're, you are a CEO mentality as a sales rep. You are embracing that, but you don't know you're doing that. Right, because I think that's the key. You you have different types of CEOs. You have technical co-founders that become CEOs. You have financial, legal, sales. Very just like a chief information security officer may not even have a technical background. Everyone is a person, right? So that is also key. How do you how do you debunk and and bring down all the walls and realize this is a person? Um, This CISO I'm trying to sell to has personal goals, political goals, and fiduciary responsibility to protect their business and all those things, but they're just a person. So I look at it as cutting right through and having a, a meaningful conversation to find out what's going on. So whether that's now I'm in charge of another VP, um, they have the number one salesperson on their team, uh, they have a great SE, they have a, you know maybe some great BDRs. Why are they great? I don't want to change what they're doing that, you know, I want to, I want to make sure they do more of it and I want to make sure we train others to potentially do that as well. So I I think just observing, getting in, not changing, uh, you know, the playbook just to drop yours in there, but really understanding what makes them successful and say the West coast um, having come from the East um, absorbing that information, keeping them going, not really making it, it difficult for them to continue to do business the way they have. And then when opportunities present themselves to make tweaks and changes, it's only to plug into the greater good for the company. And so they usually make sense. So whether you're, you know, you're you're changing someone's um, comp plan or there's new products and spiffs that you have to roll out, um, whatever it is, or or even you have to top grade people and and, uh, for, for good reason explaining why, explaining the strategy, not just doing something and, and making them do what you want them to do, but explaining why, hearing their objections or even ideas. Basically, it's a living, breathing thing business. That's how I see it. So what, whatever your role, if you, I think you have to look at it as the CEO. How, how is what I'm doing affecting the greater good? Why is what I'm doing important? Much like a sport. I, I break these things down into analogies for sports. If you're a blocking tight end, um, you know you you want to catch the touchdown, but your job is to block. That is your role. If you don't do that, your teammate isn't going to be able to catch the ball. So what is your role in that function? And eventually, I guess, once you start to understand all the roles, you then become the head coach. And then maybe if you're lucky enough, you can become an owner, um, et cetera. But I think it's just paying attention to that. what What works? What doesn't? what is everyone's role involved in this and having worked with them, maybe not doing their job, but understanding why they wake up, what motivates them, why they care about our success and vice versa. I think that is all you need. And the more you get in there and and do good and prove that you understand the top three KPIs for that role and how to, how to help them get there and not just operate from an ivory tower, roll up your sleeves, show up on site, have deeper conversations with folks you're going to get more out of those people. And then they actually uh, sign up as, you know, supporting your leadership um, willingly. And, and I think that, you know, those are just very more emotionally intelligent things that I've learned from mentors, great mentors. And, um, you know, so I think it just takes away all that pressure. And, and you, you can jump into a situation knowing that, hey, I've got 85% of it just by showing up, because I'm going to not break what's happening. I'm going to wit- I'm going to observe what's happening, um, and then potentially in time make some tweaks that will only make them perform more or see a better way. Um, so it's all about curiosity, being observant, and having deeper conversations with folks to to really figure out you know what what the lay of the land is, what the challenges are they are dealing with, um, what the competition may be doing, uh, whatever it is, and 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 you just have to be a good listener and and eventually you can piece it together with resources around you that are probably a lot smarter than you in certain areas like finance, for example, Uh, you know, doing the comp plans to, to make sure we're, we're healthy from an EBITDA perspective, but also we're competitive and, you know, driving the right behaviors and, and uh, you know, but also operating in reality. Um, So there, yeah, you have to juggle science and and also kind of common sense um, and triangulate those things. But I think that's, that's, there's no secret to it. You just have to, you just have to be uh, uh, present in these conversations and, and really take good notes and be surrounded by folks that can help you make these decisions.
0: Right. No, absolutely. I want to change gears just a little um, to sure. talking about um, as, as a leader, you're hiring salespeople um, a lot, yes. right? And have done for several years, sometimes with me. Um, and, um, in that role, what? how do you determine while you're interviewing whether our salesman is going to make the grade or a salesperson is going to make the grade? How do you, let's assume all the kind of hard skills are, are kind of taken for granted, okay? So they've got the experience that you want. They've got the, you know, their resume looks like they're the guy or the gal, right? When you're interviewing them, how do you determine whether or not some, you know, what do you look for in the interview that isn't on the resume?
1: It's really tough, especially, uh, the last few years with, you know, remote workforce folks aren't necessarily flying to headquarters where you can, you know, spend more time with them and whatnot. Um, so I think it it takes a team, it takes a village always. So I would take, um, for, for example, a team Cymru, we have, uh, some folks called fellows, which basically are the stewards of the culture. Um, so I involve them for not so much are they going to be a great salesperson, but are they a cultural fit? They, they go through a series of questions and and try to find the real person within that interview, not the person that they're trying to be on that interview. Um, I, I often ask them to give me a demonstration of what they're what they're selling right now i mean what better way if 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 they if they have passion and they believe in what they're what they're just you know what they're leaving right now i want to know why they're leaving of course but if they can't tell me you know why i should buy xyz solution that they're that they're repping right now and and i feel like wow i would i would be interested in learning more i'd be interested in a trial or even buying it then why would it why would that person why would i believe that that person could be a fit here you know, so they have to kind of prove themselves, but it's tough to do. Um, and, and I think the key, though, is, is um, when you bring in the sales engineer, you bring in maybe somebody from marketing, HR, you have, to, you have to spend the extra time talking to them about, you know, what they picked up in the interview, what they may have missed. So the next person can maybe dig in those areas if you have concerns. Um, yeah, they said that they programmed this code for this solution, etc. cetera. Um, well, what kind of code did they use? How long did it take them to do the code? Did they really do it? Or were they a part of a team? We've rooted people out that way that are, oh yeah, I was on that team. I did this, I did that. And turns out if you just ask some tough questions up front, you find out that they actually didn't write a line of code. They Mm -hmm. were a part of that team. Maybe they had a recommendation, um, or in sales, like, yeah, they were maybe an inside salesperson, um, who made the quote, but they didn't actually sell end to end to that large fortune 500 company um, they you know so there, there there are a lot of ways to make yourself look like something you're not mm-hmm. on a resume how do you how do you trust but verify you don't want to insult these people but you certainly want to dig in with tough questions put them on stage let them sing that song um without autotune let them sing that song. Let them talk about their products, their solutions. What are they passionate about? What do they know about the industry? In a way that that is natural, um, and you can spot right off the bat if somebody's sort of faking it or embellishing or, you know, trying to make themselves out to be more than what they are. Um, and and you can and you can just triangulate that with your with your other resources and follow ups. Um, I also think. You know, having a probation period for when you do hire somebody um, at, at many com- at every company I've ever been at, we thought somebody was going to be this rock star because they're just really good at interviewing. And when they get behind the wheel, and you know, there's no activity for the first thirty days. You know, that ninety day plan that they gave us it's it's not even you know it's nowhere uh, near what 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 we've been sold. Um, you, you, you can pull the trigger. You can, you can let folks go within that say 90 day period. Right. Um, so I, I also think having, uh, you know, frequent one-on-ones and check-ins within that probation period is key for measuring. Are we close? Uh, they're probably not going to sell something within 90 days, not in our industry, cyber threat intelligence. It might take, you know, a quarter or two to develop an opportunity. So, so you have to, you have to look at it, um, you have to look at it as, are they, are they actually doing what, what, what we, what we had hoped, what was advertised, um, and, and trust, but verify.
0: Right. So what are the key things you actually look for in a salesperson? What are the key attributes that
1: you look for? Curiosity, a motor, um, doers, people that like in the interview process, uh, this happens, it's, you would think it would, it would happen more often than it does, but We're, you know, we're just interviewing somebody um, a few weeks ago, and in that interview process, they were coming to the table with ideas. Hey, I see you have this new solution. It's in this space. Did you think about this, uh, you know, campaign potential? Did you think about these personas and and this 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 is a massive problem in this industry? Did you think about how you solve for it specifically? I have some ideas, like. They're all it's almost like you're already working with them mm. uh, and and they haven't even signed the offer letter like they're they're texting you hey I thought about this person I, I can broker an introduction sounds like it would be perfect project for us to jump into you would think that sales folks especially that that are going through the interview process they certainly probably have a patch that they've sold into for say a decade um, they're probably well connected within that CISO community um, and even director level community so you would you would think that you would start to see some of that coming out, like, hey, I have this idea. Hey, did you know that this person moved from this company to that company? And they're probably starting a, a whole new playbook. And, you know, you, you could be a cornerstone for that. Like, you, you'd be surprised at how rare that is. But that's also a very good sign that somebody's acting as if they're already an employee before they are. And they're, they're, that, that trust on their side is, is being reciprocated. They, I think it's all about trust. Right. If 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 you if you see those behaviors, you know this person is trusting our our brand prematurely to 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 come up with some ideas, and um and it's a sign that that's just who they are. And when you hire them, they're going to continue to do that. They're going to continue to have that curiosity, that motor. Um and and you'd be surprised that just simply networking people together can make deals happen. Um and so that's another thing to look for. Um genuine networking. Somebody that goes out to a CISO and says, you know, I think you should meet Matt. Um, he, he has similar issues. I've, I've been working with him for years. I think you guys would hit it off. How many deals have happened that way where you're not even talking about a product, you're not talking about the vendor, you're just saying, I know this CISO and this other one, they seem like they, they have similar philosophies, similar challenges. Um, we should put them in a room. Let's get them together. They're probably gonna be best friends. And not even talk about our solution, right? Like, to me, that special it factor thing that, that folks have, just that genuineness that they really are listening, they really do care, um, and they're not afraid to to step up and and, and make these introductions and, and things like that. Um, when you start to see a little bit of that in the interview process too, I think that's a sign that somebody's for real. Mm,
0: yeah, no, no, for sure. Okay, so what would you say um, to a an experienced salesperson that is looking to get into or wants to develop into a leadership career? What what are your top three tips for somebody who wants to follow the track that you've laid from going through sales and senior sales and is now looking to step into
1: leadership? The number one thing you need to do, I think, is what would you do if your name was on... On the on the company, you know, door right. Your your name. What would you do if you were the owner of the company? That should be. If you see something that that doesn't look right, that should that should be something that gets addressed. What would you do about it? So having that mentality, um, even if it's not your responsibility, just being observant and finding patterns within within a business that that maybe the CEO doesn't know about. That could improve the overall health, even if it has nothing to do with sales or nothing to do with your role. I think just just really looking at looking at the company and the company goals is first and foremost. So just pretend pretend your name is on the wall of outside the building. Um, uh, other things too, like you know, with sales, it's you know, depending on the stage of sales, if you're if you're cash flow driven, you want to do multi year deals. And you want to, you know, maybe have paid out front and you'll you'll do discounts for that. Others that are more ebitda driven and you know, they, they want to have increases on renewals and and they're not going to give a discount for three multi-year deals. You have to understand the financial strategy. So you're not going upstream. As a salesperson, this is obviously gonna strike a nerve where you're like, this makes sense. We can take this deal down, let's do a 25% discount, let's get it in and 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 um Meanwhile, knowing the procurement folks and especially Fortune 500, that's their job to drive down a discount to make, to kind of flash that, you know, multi-year deal in front of you. Um, if ARR is actually more important and you've just diluted your ARR. So in theory, you could be diluting your average cost per contract. Um, your ACV or your EBITDA is now affected. Your LTV to CAC ratio is affected. Your valuation is affected if you if you continue to take that um, take the renewal pool discount so you can add new licenses you're 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 really smashing down your velocity but as a salesperson you're coin operated you think that's a good thing mm-hmm. so you, you just have to be aligned with that might be a good thing if you're just looking for cash flow. Some startups they just want logos um, and, and they'll discount because it's more about just getting on the street and being and winning deals. Others they've already established a brand uh, now it's about um, you know maybe possibly doing an acquisition of our own and having strong numbers and so aligning with finance aligning with other other divisions that don't get sales well they do they they just they they have a different agenda right and you have to align to that and then educating the salespeople talking to them bouncing ideas off of them like you know, if we were to do something like that, what do you think? And you're going to get a lot of complaints. You're going to get a lot of negativity, but then, yeah, but what about X, Y, Z? What about if we did it this way? Could that work? Like, so almost like experimenting. Like, what if you were the leader? What if that idea isn't such a bad idea? How do you, how do you make it so that people buy into it? And they realize like that $3 million upfront deal isn't as good as a $1.2 million deal paid annually. Because right? now you have a 3.6 or even with increases, maybe 3.7 or 3.8 at the end of three years versus three. Right. And your ARR is better. Your, your numbers are better. Your, you know, If you have a 95% churn ratio, you're not worried about that not renewing. So putting all the pieces together to have a sound strategy and, and knowing why, instead of just saying, I'm in sales, I need the deal. Like you kind of have to kind of have to see the other side of things. marketing, marketing, Fights with sales all the time. Um, Understanding that marketing might be looking out three to five years from now at trends like um, GTEM, I'm sorry, CTEM, ASM right now. ASM has 20% adoption. It reminds me of like the ERP or EDR years ago where it had 20% adoption, then boom, it went to 60, like overnight. Mm. Like, Like six to eight quarters later, 60% 60% adoption, right? So marketing's looking at that like, okay, there's a framework. It looks like this is another, you know, EDR type situation. ASM is attack surface management. If you go to RSA or Black Hat, every vendor has something. It reminds me of like the new threat intelligence feed, like like finding Nemo Seagulls. Ah, me too. Mine, mine, mine. I've got something to solve for this. So it's a noisy market, but it's 20% adoption, it will be 60% adoption, probably by 2025. How do you ride that wave? Um, So as a salesperson, you might look at it more transactionally versus the strategic of, let's not sell it yet. Let's wait till it's baked. It has these integrations. It has this more fulsome value um, to where if we wait two quarters, then we come out, right? You, You have to align with the strategies, whatever they may be. It's not just about quarter to quarter, what am I going to sell? It's about the longevity of the business, your relevance within the business and, and new markets that are forming all the time of you to, you know, kind of latch on at the right time. So that's long winded. But the takeaway is obviously curiosity and alignment with with other uh, divisions of the organization that are driving strategy
0: right no that's great and I, I i really appreciate the detail on that so tell me about team kumri tell me about uh, about who they are and uh, you know what's next for uh, for you and for for the business
1: yeah team kumri is the most interesting organization i've been a part of um so they're kind of referred to as the good guys of the internet uh we we have a community business which is uh, all free solutions um, that help protect networks, and and um, in exchange, you know, we have access to uh, to data that's that's flowing in the internet. We've we've been uh, stewards of of the internet for almost two decades, and have only come out commercially about four years ago. We've been pretty much behind the scenes working with OEMs and governments uh, to provide our our internet signal intelligence. And now have found ways that we can actually produce commercially viable solutions. So it's been a tremendous um, spike in growth dealing with Fortune 500 companies in the last four years, um, dealing with partners around the globe. Uh, So I feel like it's a reverse startup. It's actually a company with integrity that built out a very unique solution that really operated um, behind the scenes for, I'd say, about 14 or 15 years and then realized, hey, we have something here, we might need a marketing and sales team. Whereas most organizations write on the back of a napkin some kind of a solution that they could produce and then immediately get a marketing and sales team and then figure it out uh, with an MVP model. So I think Team Cymru got it right. They they really have a great reputation. um, And now we're bringing these solutions into less mature organizations. It used to take um, like a Maverick fighter pilot jet skill set to use to get behind the wheel of our solution and now we're introducing solutions that are much easier to use that give you much quicker answers and then if you want to pivot into raw data to find those insights um, to get more info great but uh, it's a great exciting time for us um, I think we're we're very well uh, appreciated within the community um, we, we do a lot of great things uh, our mission is to save and improve lives and it's not a marketing slogan. Uh, there's so many things I can't talk about, but we do every day, either improve a life or save a life with our data with our community. Think about everything that's happening globally. Um, we we all breadcrumbs lead back to Team There We are involved with just about every single major vendor out there. Um, we're involved within just about every country out there from a community aspect um in in helping protect the internet helping bring visibility to what's happening outside of your perimeter um so that is that is what we take pride in and all of our solutions are built around that visibility whether it's mapping an attack surface or or tracking down and somebody sshing into a server and having proof of that Uh, we you know we do our best
0: great stuff. That's amazing. And if he wants to learn more about you or about Team Cymru, what's the best way that
1: they can do that? So com is, is our website. Uh, we have a kind of a nice new website. Um, uh, myself, Jeff Fleischer on LinkedIn. Um, I, I just love uh, having these types of conversations, talking uh, all things sales and business. Um, I try not to be that uh, that vendor who's, who's, you know, shoving our products in, in your face, but I'm happy to talk Still- to anyone about st- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one of those finding Nemo seagulls. Um, I, I, I think in, in due time uh, pe- people you know good people just sort of sort of uh, rise rise up and, and, and are known and I hope to be one of those and I hope to, to help folks um, along the way and, and also continue to learn because there's so like I said the internet's been around for really think about it you know say 15 or so years where it's in our hands. Um, think about how much we don't know, right? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for uh, continued education, and, and whether it's me helping or or learning, uh, just being a part of the community.
0: That's great. Well, I, Jeff, thank you so much for your time today. I've, I've really yeah. enjoyed hanging out with you. I've really enjoyed uh, hearing your your views and your your perspective on sales, on leadership, and also on the on the technology as well. So, Jeff Fleischer, thank you so much. joining
1: us here in the conference room thank you simon it was a pleasure thank you so much coming up next week
0: on the conference room i'll be talking to social media and marketing expert taylor fisher don't have a flashing timer that's pushing people um or don't say this is your final chance and then send them an email oh this is your real final chance (laughs) and then another this is your actual. I've seen that and it's ridiculous. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com to see all the other episodes and to get access to the show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your network or better still go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform and leave us a five-star review. It'll only take you a moment, but it'll mean the world to us. And please don't hesitate to tell us which which. which topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. To get in touch, drop us a line in the comment section or send us a message on social media. Just search for The Conference Room Podcast or me, Simon Lader, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok. I'm always open to a conversation. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you'll be alerted when a new episode goes live every week. Thanks so much for listening to The Conference Room and until next time, keep talking.